You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash Film School. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. Told through the eyes of 14-year-old Cajun fiddle player Amanda Shaw and Cajun guitarist Tab Benoit, Hurricane on the Bayou was in the editing room when Hurricane Katrina struck. With us today is the director of this IMAX film, Greg McGillivray, whose film career spans more than 40 years, beginning with the surf classic Five Summer Stories. Greg McGillivray, what brought you to make this film, Hurricane on the Bayou? I love to make films for the IMAX theater format about conservation of nature, about saving the natural wonders of our world. And I was approached by the Audubon Nature Institute in New Orleans about the disappearance of the wetlands below New Orleans, the largest wetlands in the continental United States. It's four times larger than the Everglades, but no one knows anything about it. Once I started to read about it, I saw it. I went down there and met with the Audubon Nature Director, Ron Foreman. He imparted to me all the wild facts and figures about how quickly it is eroding away and how this has been happening for 50 years, but no one is paying any attention to it in Washington or anywhere else. And I thought, well, gee, this would be a really interesting film, much like our film about coral reefs, which have had a hard time over the past several years with the heating of the waters of the world. Coral doesn't work too well in, in warm water, or water that is much warmer than previously. And so I, I decided, okay, let's form a partnership and try to make a movie about the plight of the wetlands and how it has to be saved. It's this beautiful place. It's a habitat for millions of birds and alligators and all kinds of wonderful life. And we had started the movie and actually finished filming our first script, and then Katrina came. Mm. And so then we completely rewrote the script, went back and filmed it again for four different trips, and now we brought out this film about really how important the wetlands is and how it could have been a much more effective buffer for New Orleans as Katrina was roaring on shore. And what so many people don't realize is that's exactly what it served and that's why New Orleans was protected for so long, was because of the uh, the wetlands that were there. It, was, it served as a buffer zone. You know, the French built the city 300 years ago or so in a high area, up the river so it could have a prominence on the river, but in a safe zone so that the hurricanes, when they rushed on shore, would, would never reach there. Well, with the wetlands washing away over the past 50 or 60 years, uh, that's changed. Unfortunately, saw the impact of all of that with Katrina. What's the percentage of loss are we talking about of the wetlands, going back to the time when the French built the city of New Orleans? I'm just guessing because I don't know if that statistic is really touted Hmm. um, because it's hard to know know, where you measure the wetlands to. It goes almost all the way to Baton Rouge. Mm -hmm. You you could probably say that 20 to 25 percent of the wetlands is gone now. It's, It's now water used to be islands, and we have several of those visions in the movie where Tab Benoit, our, our main character, is mm-hmm. flying a small 
single-engine plane over an island that now is only about 200 yards wide, but it used to be a mile wide, and it used to be a plantation of sugarcane. There were roads and bridges leading to it, and it, uh, the environment, environment down there has changed completely. So mm-hmm. it's sort of like all of a sudden here in Orange County, your Belinda is now oceanfront. Mm-hmm. The, the storms are able to rush into Riverside without any, <laughs> mm-hmm. without any land between there and, and the coast. It's a sad thing for the people of New Orleans, but it's also a very sad thing for the animal life and the people who live in the bayou country down there. We're speaking with Greg McGillifray, and the film is Hurricane on the Bayou. It's an IMAX production. Going back to what you said earlier, you were in production when Hurricane Katrina came on land, or had you actually started principal photography for the film? We finished principal photography, and we were editing the film. All of a sudden, my executive producer called me and said, you've got to check out this storm that's uh, headed towards New Orleans, and it might take a big right turn and hit New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So I started tracking it on Friday, and sure enough, it hit New Orleans on Monday morning. Pretty major storm. The devastation is the costliest ever in the history of the United States, yeah. uh, far more than Hurricane Andrew. Uh, though the loss of life was limited to a 1,000 people, still, it's just devastating down there. When we went back to film right after the storm and then several times later, all of those times, you felt like you were going to a war zone, and almost to an atomic war zone, mm-hmm. where the, the land and the buildings have been completely devastated, just wiped out. The sites, still pictures of Hiroshima, are probably the closest thing to the, the way that it looked there at the Ninth Ward or in uh, Lakeview area. And you're looking at mile upon mile, not just one block that's been wiped out, but miles of homes something like you know half the city was displaced in terms of homes 80 percent of the city was flooded fortunately the french quarter and the garden district which are the two main tourist attraction areas were not flooded and were not damaged i mean there were a teeny bit of wind damage but they didn't suffer the devastation that the rest of the city suffered Mm -hmm. and so still it's a wonderful time to visit New Orleans right now. In fact, the people down there very much need the tourist dollar in order to survive. And and it's a terrific time because there are very few tourists. Well, but, it, but all the clubs are open and yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's this film isn't all about the hurricane. It, there's also a lot of great music in it. How, how is that uh, recording that? Did you have a good time uh, putting that together? That was the joy. My my job is so much fun, and you know, even when I'm shooting a, like in a war zone, like like I described, it's it's still a lot of fun because it's completely full of challenge and and adventure. Working with the musicians was one of the highlights of my life because Tab Benoit, who's a blues guitarist and a wonderful singer, and Amanda Shaw, who was when we filmed her, she was a 14-year-old fiddle prodigy. She just won the Entertainer of the Year Award down there in New Orleans. 14 years old and fabulous artist. Uh, and she was mentored by this African-American Zydeco musician, uh, an accordionist named Chubby Carrier. She just forms this wonderful, wonderful part of our film. She and her family and Chubby form a great part of our film and this really positive thing. And But working with them was a complete delight you know they each have their own styles of music the thing about new orleans is there are about 20 different styles of music each fabulous Mm -hmm. and each gives you that texture of american music that you don't 
get except in New Orleans. You just said it, that uh, music is such an integral part of the experience of being in New Orleans and the history of New Orleans. So, uh, and obviously, and that was a big part of Hurricane on the Bayou. By the way, I want to remind our listeners, once again, we're speaking with Greg McGillifray, and the film is Hurricane on the Bayou. You had a couple of events where you were showing the film. It was uh, on Saturday, the January 27th, and Monday, February 5th, where there were third graders at that one from Sepulveda Elementary School in Santa Ana. How did those events go? <laughs> They're terrific. Yeah. Okay. It's so much fun to show the film, particularly because we have this 14-year-old star mm-hmm. who's bubbly and you know, very, very verbal. She's on screen, and these kids can relate to her in a way that is so meaningful. When I make these films, uh, I know that they're going to go out and be seen by, well, about 25% of our audience is school kids that are brought in buses as, as part of an educational program. And I know that it's going to mean something to them because the IMAX screen, which is seven stories tall, and you're seeing this clear, sharp, vivid, lifelike image because we shoot with film that's 10 times bigger than 35 millimeter, mm. so it's so much you know, 10 times sharper than anything you've ever seen. This is an indelible image that's impressing to the children that, that there are other possibilities in life, that there are regions in the world that they should visit, that there are subjects in the world that might be an interesting career goal. And that's what I just love about my work mm-hmm. and showing it to children is that it opens new avenues for them. It starts their mind working, and hopefully then, in fact, I know, it takes them to the Internet where they can do more research or to books or to videotapes or DVDs that, that they can check out and expand their knowledge base in areas that might be of more interest to them. You know, that, this is the way I got in, interested initially in photography. And, you know, I went to the Science Museum up in Los Angeles and saw an exhibit about developing film and making enlargements. And that turned me on to photography. You never know what's going to be the key to open someone's interest. So many of these young children, you know, from underserved communities or communities where there's not a lot of opportunity to 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 see the world or to take trips or to to encounter visiting lecturers, they need this kind of opening up and there's so much so much out there, particularly, you know, for for people of this Southern California region. So many interesting people, so many interesting stories. I'm hoping that, you know, we have a program now to bring 3,000 school children from Orange County in the underserved Title I schools mm-hmm. to the uh, Irvine Spectrum IMAX Theater to see Hurricane on the Bayou. And, and to integrate with that, the teachers have a program that's delivered to them by us where they can then expand that knowledge base uh, into new avenues. And, and that's what I, I really love about my job. Yeah. I, want, I want to go back very quickly to uh, Hurricane on the Bayou, and you, you were talking about your principal photography was wrapped before Katrina. Did you have a sense of the situation that could develop from a major storm rolling through there before Katrina. I know they'd had some close calls in the past, but was there a sense that this was something that was inevitable? Absolutely, absolutely. Everyone knew that this was a big threat. In fact, FEMA in 2000, year 2000, think back at at that year, they were given the task by the president of, of name 
the two most possible devastating of disasters that we could have. And the two were some kind of a terrorist event in New York City, and the second one was a hurricane of, of uh, Category 5 hitting New Orleans. And so they were right on in terms of analyzing the threats. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, both took place. I'm sure that because of this film, and I'm sure your travels there, you have some friends uh, are there. Do you see them turning the corner on the recovery, or do you see it as a long ways off? Well, the recovery of the city and the building of the infrastructure, the homes and such for workers to live in, neighborhoods, is going to be certainly a five-year project, if if not a 10-year project. Restoring the wetlands, you know, which have been mm-hmm. eroded for the past 60 years, is going to be a 40-year project. But both projects are completely doable. Mm-hmm. And the people in New Orleans and in the wetland region have the resolve to make certain that both happen. And I think that one thing our film points out fairly well is that here in our country, you've got a a unique city, a city that is unlike any other. French-speaking, it's uh, got wonderful, unique cuisine, music, culture. There's no, no other place like it. And then you've got this wonderful natural treasure of the wetlands, you know, four times bigger than the Everglades. Both are treasures of our nation. Both are so needing to be saved, particularly when America is being homogenized and made all alike. The unique areas of this country are kind of disappearing, and even the, the accents, you know, of people when they speak are getting to be less apparent as time goes on because there's so much travel and people are moving around all the time. Well, we need to keep that. Like the French try to keep their national character, we've got to do uh, probably a little bit more in trying to save some of our natural and national character. Let's again remind our listeners, speaking with Greg McGillifrey, and the film is Hurricane on the Bayou. Going back in your film history, as we're talking about Hurricane on the Bayou, an IMAX film. You've done a number of IMAX films in the past. A lot of them have to do with nature uh, and the effect, man-made effects we've had on nature. Going back to your roots, and uh, what we alluded to that earlier, it was Five Summer Stories. It's where you really made a name for yourself, if you will, in the in the world of cinema. You've had this lifelong connection to nature. I think that's one of the consistent things about your work, and I'm sure you, can, you will continue to do that. Absolutely. I love the natural world. I grew up in Corona del Mar, mm-hmm. surfing and scuba diving, and I've seen nature change. I've yeah. seen the oceans change. And what I try to do through my IMAX theater films and through my surfing films, like Five Summer Stories, is to point out these changes and to give hope that we, as, as intelligent people, can rectify the changes and can make the world better for our generations to come for our grandkids and their grandkids. You know, we live in a wonderful, wonderful country, and there's just so much communication, all positive. I'm hoping to do a little bit of my part to communicate the needs that nature has um, in being restored and and brought back to the way it, it should be. And so my films about coral reefs or my films about the wetlands of Louisiana try to do just that in a very positive and hopeful way. To learn more about Film School, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at KUCI.org slash Film School.